Hi guys, KO here. We have another awesome open mic for you today with Sarah Hips. She is a longtime fitness professional and major advocate for mental health. She has an incredible voice around wellness in general. I encourage you to check out her page and what she has going on. Today we talk about the power of showing up and things that you can do right now as far as personal self-awareness and forging this needle towards evolution in the right direction. Uh, we cover a lot. It's a really great conversation and Sarah is gracious to share some of her experience and just some really straightforward tips on what you can do right now to make the world a better place. And I'm really pumped. This is the first cast that we've done in person in the new Turmeric and Tequila podcast studio. Uh, we've got some new fresh vibes, I hope, and some even better audio. Fingers crossed. Uh, enjoy. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm excited today. We are officially in the Turmeric and Tequila podcast studio, first cast. I'm welcoming welcoming back Sarah Hips. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. She's been on one cast or two? One. Okay, one cast. We talked about um, the choice around having children or not. Today, we are doing an open mic session with her. She's going to talk about, um, oh gosh, experience what's going on in the world right now, uh, race, gender, uh, privilege. We'll, we'll talk about all of it. Um, so without further ado, Sarah, do you, I've, I've, had, I've been reading bios a little bit, but do you want to give us a little bit of a background just as a refresher? Because I love talking about myself so, so much. <laughs> um, so yeah, I raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went to school at George Mason outside hey. of DC, um, moved here to Denver five, uh, five years ago. Um, just kind of on a whim, started my fitness built business when was that four years ago maybe yeah um and yeah and just kind of been like finagling it since then i work at i have still have my own business doing online training i have online programs i have a website with uh the videos tutorials everything like that it's a subscription site and then i also train at the denver athletic club and dc yeah i just yeah that's pretty much it i have a dog Yes. Uh, named Joe. She is six and just got her tattooed on Tim. I saw it. It looks fresh. Um, I, I couldn't tell. Yeah. And then I also just got a cat. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Sammy Davis. He's approximately 11 weeks old. Oh, and he's, he's so cute. Like, I, I, my friends have told me I'm not allowed to say this, but I just like, whenever like all three of us are like on the couch, I'm like, black gang, bang, bang. Because oh. we're all like <laughs> black. But apparently I, I, I should not say that out loud in public. Oh, that's what I would. So you know like, that's you a can... little strong. And I'm like, I don't know. We're all just like black. I think it's cute. So hey, I say follow your heart. If you can brand your own family. If you I want to get shirts for all of us. Okay. Like, well, we could. We have somebody that can help you with that. Perfect. Sure somewhere. Can they do um, a very tiny one for the cat? I mean, probably. <laughs> I, do you think the animals actually like the clothes though? Colette would let me do that. Cleo, no way. Um, Joe, she does not like to wear any of her costumes. The only thing that she will wear. So she has like a a closet. Like her, not a closet, (laughs) but she has like some Christmas stuff. Oh, okay. She's had some Halloween stuff. Oh. The only things that she will wear for any amount of time and like will actually like actively not let me take off her is her uh, post bath 
dog sweatshirt. I, I so oh. like after Joe gets a bath, I actually like wipe her down and then I put a hoodie over oh, her. She's like a baby. Well, and it's because she would get out. And I'm sure like you experienced this. She'll get out and then she'll just rub oh, on stuff. Yeah. So I put the hoodie on because it goes from like tip to tail and she gets out and she like will rub against stuff and I'm just like haha gotcha yeah like um and then and she has a a Wonder Woman costume that does not fit her anymore it's like too tight across the chest and it has like a tiny little tutu frill but like you put it on and she's just like like tapping away I'm like okay like Cleo there's zero if I even pulled that costume out Cleo would run out of the house that's so funny yeah that's a no but good for you for like weaning them into like (laughs) being like part time doll (laughs) (laughs) oh well I'm pumped to talk today Sarah's been um I don't even want to say fitness influencer, but she really has been in the game. She's super incredible around sharing her voice, sharing her experience, sharing her journey. Um, I think where the world's at right now is kind of crazy, but this is a practice you've been doing forever. And I was telling Sarah uh, prior to us getting on the mic, like, I feel like universe is lining up for exactly where you're at in this world. Like I just, yeah, I just want to put on the mic now. I think I told her this. I'm like, I think one gear is going to shift and like, everything's going to fall into place. Yeah. So um, that, yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I was thinking in, in her voice, I really appreciate you coming on. Cause I know she's been on, you know, several shows and she's been talking about a lot of this and I'm, I'm conscious of the energy give, um, that, you know, you are tied the energy give and the space you're creating to have some of these really hard conversations. Thank you. So I really appreciate you coming on and giving more energy to come back on TNT and share your experience. And, um, I just can't highlight enough around how open you are about your journey, specifically around mental health and wellness, mm-hmm. and it complements the physical training so nicely. Yes. Um, so I'm super passionate about further sharing those conversations. So that's why we're here. Thank you. Um, so I'll I'll quit talking. Um, <laughs> do you want to Do you want to lean into like how some of these initial conversations around race um, have started to come up and kind of where you're at with these conversations because I know now you know we're what a couple months in to maybe a month in to like initially the loss yeah. of George Floyd um so now these conversations have been happening how are, how's the conversation shift a little bit now that can we say the public's a little bit more educated is that fair mm-hmm. to say yeah I mean so as you know and as everybody does know like a lot of these deaths um that don't make sense um but at the hands of police officers have been happening for I mean I'll, uh, hundreds of years Forever. but in recent um media uh history it, people have been aware of it right we have like tamir rice and we have i mean if i start naming them you know but um and so like we've been going through like at least a decade of like these things being a little bit more conscious um i think that this is the past month with brianna taylor and george floyd um and uh ahmad we it's harder for people to find reasons for why they may be at fault which has been the media um and social thing before right like so if someone was shot in the back um people said oh well like here's this photo of when they did this bad thing or well they like the media has painted them as someone who may in some way brought it on themselves um and so with george floyd i think that was such an obvious like oh crap this guy is just kneeling there for over eight minutes like that's hard to justify you know like and it's hard to find something for it and so i think that i think that we've kind of just gotten to a space where now people are realizing um and it's not that people are ever racist when they 
when they do justify something. What I was actually talking to some people about is fact that there's, uh, I can't remember the term for it. I should have looked it up before I got here, but there's an actual term for when you are so, and I, I use the term brainwashed. And when I use it, I don't mean in the general cult-like way that we have been um, taught, but in a very gentle uh, massaging way that everybody in the world, right, to an extent is brainwashed to believe certain things. Um, And so I think that when we look at uh, like George Floyd, it's hard to justify things that we have been brainwashed to inherently do. Mm -hmm. And so when you have been kind of brainwashed all your life to believe like um cops are heroes all of them are here for the community uh maybe you were raised in a cop household maybe you come from an environment or a town where it's small uh you know all the police they're all good people so when someone gives you information that contradicts an inherent belief that you have sometimes your reaction is to dig in deeper um and so that happens a lot with a lot of these previous killings. Um, people are shown information and because it's so outside of their worldview and their personal view, and also they have been trained to believe inherently this person is here for good. Mm -hmm. They have to find a way to justify it for themselves because if not, your brain is having a hard time making sense of it. And so like one of the things that I was talking to some people about is the idea that like we look at statistics of police who um, are involved in domestic violence in their own homes and people when they're presented with that they can do this mental gymnastics right to get around it um, to to again fit their own narrative and the other thing that I was telling I tell people is that when someone tries to justify a shooting or a death at the hands of police, they may be coming from a space where, because they have never, ever considered um, being pulled over or being in that situation, it's, it's so impossible to them that if you ask them to put themselves in that space, because it's so impossible, they can only assume that they've done something so drastic that that's how they can envision themselves. So therefore, the cop is correct because they had to have done something so big to put themselves in that space. But they forget that for a majority of people of color, um, or I should say for a majority of people in this country, because they are people of color, you don't have to do that much. Like they're uh, like New York is notorious for their stop and frisk program um, or policy where you can just be walking and the cops will put their hands on you. Right. And so I try to show up for those people, have empathy for the fact that it's not that they are racist. It's not that they are prejudiced. It's not that they think I'm less than. It's just their brain can't sometimes comprehend something outside of themselves or situations that they haven't been in. Um, so, yeah, I've been having a lot of those really great conversations. I'm happy that now people are like, wait, hold up. This doesn't seem right. The thing that has been happening and i will say this as like a warning is i've been getting a lot of messages from people saying like hey sarah what can i do for you you don't have to do anything for me like i'm if i need something like a milkshake or a pizza (laughs) or a drink you know like i will reach out you know like but i i recognize that it's people thinking okay 
like, I recognize that this sucks. I recognize that maybe this sucks even more for Sarah because she's black. So like, I'm going to come to her. Um, and you and I were talking about the word, like being an ally and how I'm not in love with that word because I feel like it's a call to action that then people don't know what the steps are and people like call to actions that are like very clear. And when you're like, Hey, I'm calling you to be an ally. People will go, okay, how? And as uh, someone who has been really emotionally drained looking at, um, I mean, it's draining inherently to see someone killed for the color of their skin, even though, yeah. And then have a conversation hundreds of times. And like people forget, like, so we had Brianna Taylor, we had Ahmed, we had, um, George. And then we also had the young man who was the bird watcher. Right. And those are things that I track. I, I, I always check that stuff. And I, I didn't even watch the video with George because I was like, let me guess he dies. Yeah. Like, I don't have to watch it. And I even have been reading about how people talk about those videos are really, they're they're made for people who are unaware, but it's just, um, I forget the, the term for it, but ultimately it's just like awful for black people. Cause we, we know like if you're like, did you see that video? Let me guess something unjust happened to a person of color. I don't have to watch it, you know, like, um, and so with that stuff, when people are like, hey, Sarah, I want to be an ally. If you are seeking to be an ally, then you need me to tell you how to. And I'm already kind of drained from being like, oh, like, I can't ever forget that I'm black, you know, like, because media reminds me often and events in this world remind me often. And so sometimes it's like, I'm kind of just angry. Like maybe I'm just a little bit angry today. And so when I have been, how I've been fielding these questions from people is like, I don't need you to be an ally. Just pay attention, you know, just pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to what other people are doing. Pay attention to what you're seeing, what you're ingesting, just show up, you know? And so I did the share the mic Colorado on Wednesday of last week. I, I swapped with Emily Strom, who is a fitness and nutrition guru here in Denver. And, uh, she boosted my signal to be able to just, kind of yell out my theme of showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the reason why I chose that as my theme is because I am uh, I have a deep, deep belief in if you show up for yourself and you show up for other people, it makes you someone who can be better on this earth. You will inherently do your part when it comes to any ism. Um, you will inherently help other people and you will inherently, you have to grow to be able to show up because, um, my definition of showing up is prioritizing ever like someone else or something else momentarily, um, and stepping outside of yourself to make that occur. Um, and so when you show up for yourself, you are prioritizing yourself and you are stepping outside yourself to make that happen. And so these are practices that take so long but every time they're good for life though yes i mean specifically around race in this conversation in general this is good practice as a human being Uh, absolutely because the fact is so you like i said you and i were talking before and i was saying how i had this like very long conversation with these two young men um about race and i had to constantly not like show up for them by checking myself and saying, I want to be a part of this conversation. I want to have this conversation. I want to answer their questions, but I have to stretch myself by not being offended or not reacting to what they're saying. And that's a stretch. That's hard. That's a a skill set. That's a, that is a 
that's a hard practice. Yes. And, but I reminded myself, uh, and I've been reminding myself, Sarah, you know, um, whenever I wanted to react, I thought, Sarah, you remember when you didn't react during, like I had a breakup conversation, right. With my ex where he was like, I, I feel this way. And all I could think was, but what about me? Yeah. And in the middle of the conversation, it was one of my proudest moments. I was able to stop and go like in my internally, you know, Sarah, what if we don't make this about ourselves for one second? Mm-hmm. What if we stop and we hear him and we show up for him, which means that he's going to stop being defensive and he's going to be able to show up for this conversation. And that will be, it will just be such a better conversation for both of us. It'll be so productive. I'll be heard. He'll be heard. And so it took me having to quote, be the bigger person to stop and say, yo, uh, say to him, I don't know if I understand. Can you, can you, can you talk to me? Can you talk this through with me? Can you talk to me about it? And instead of reacting with, but what about me? And so this past month, whenever I've been like, like I read something, I go, I want to react. I want to react because like, what's human too? What about me? Yes, it is. Um, but I said, Sarah, remember that really proud moment where you said, Hey, for one second, it doesn't have to be about me. How can I show up in this conversation so that it can be a better and productive conversation? And in here, I'm still showing up for myself because I'm getting this person to, to, to back down and be able to receive me because I'm receiving him first yeah. or I'm receiving them first. Right. Um, and it's so it's mutually beneficial. That's the cool yes. part of it. I, I mean, I admire that skill set so much because I think that'll serve you in life, as we said, but in relationships, in, in work in fitness training, like it's such a valuable life set scale skill. And when you not only can listen, you, then you can be heard. So yes. it's, it's such a double edge. I don't want to say double edged sword, but it's a mutually beneficial yes. skill. In- and yeah. And so like, that's what, like when I say showing up, like I think that people always think it only always is only for someone else, but it being able to do that initially in a relationship capacity was made me proud for myself because it bettered the communication and it helped me be her too. And then having that experience, like I had to stretch myself for that. Right. But then now in this race capacity, I, whenever I'm having a moment of reaction or anger, I can call upon, Hey, you remember this, when you did this thing in a different capacity, you can parlay it into this space. And like, so I think that people forget every time that you stretch yourself, you may stretch yourself in one space, but it always can work in, in the rest of life. And so that's why I chose the showing up theme because I'm like, this isn't just for race. Like, but if you do it here, you'll do it other places. And if you do it for yourself, you'll you'll do it here. So like, um, yeah, like I just I, I tell people just pay attention. You know, pay attention to like uh, a, a very good example because I actually I got my tattoo right the week before last, and she kind of you know threw out there like, man, like these protests are crazy, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, and I was like, but um, like I'm just encouraging people to pay attention, pay attention to the the media that you're consuming. And I was like, you're a tattoo artist. Um, when you look at other tattoo artist pages how often do you see brown skin on their page? I was like, you, you really never really. Oh yeah. Like you, I'm I'm not a tattoo person. I don't really, it's not my world. Like, um, but that's interesting to me. And I get it. I get it. Logically, um, tattoo dot work, line work, all those things show up better on light skin. So like the paler the person is really like, that's the better. (laughs) Right. And so it's not like I ever look and I go, Oh, like this, 
these racist people never i get it interesting but i don't think that people ever think about it they yeah. don't go oh i really need to like diversify my portfolio they yeah. just think man like i need to add someone who has dot work like they think of it in a business sense right um and i was like but if you if you scroll through and you never notice that you don't see brown skin like that's something that you could pay attention to yeah and i was like because heck yeah i would love to be able to see someone who works on brown skin like I, well as you say for tattoo artists out there i think that would be an absolute niche market to like highlight if you're good at that or you're making yeah. tattoos stand up more i don't know i don't know the lingo within that community because yeah. yeah. i just don't <laughs> yeah. um but i think that's cool but I, I i really like when you say like just this genuine awareness and turmeric and tequila i told you this before we got on and i've probably said it many times i started it literally so it was an open mic a platform literally so where people can come on with their varsity experience voice journey what have you and talk about it because yeah. hailing from the marketing world specifically personally i know how much smoke and mirrors are out there and i know how who is controlling a lot of these narratives and it's a lot of rich white men that have had generational wealth for generations mm -hmm. and so that's you know in our old school philosophers reality is nothing more than applied meaning so if a few people are creating our meanings throughout our life you know and it's digested through uh social media, media, billboards, radio, podcasts, what have you. And that's our truth. And it's, you know, it's been our truth forever as let's say Americans. And a few people are controlling that. We as Americans have to do all of our fellow Americans a favor and break through that and be like, okay, time out. Let's start asking some, some questions. Who's creating this reality? Who's creating this movie that we're watching and yeah. who's, you know, and then awarding it accordingly. Like what rules are being followed? And I even watch film now so differently understanding like, well, no wonder I think the way I do because this was my reality. And if these are my truths and I'm comfortable and I'm clinging to them, but this isn't really my truth. This is a truth I've been told. This propaganda, which the army, the military, they do a fabulous job of marketing. It's mm -hmm. known as propaganda. They create these things specifically so. So we have to become alive as consumers, as Americans, as fellow humans, and really start questioning these, these things. And I think you said it so well of this heightened awareness of time out because we're all kind of like, soldiers at war knowing we're, we're sheep if we don't start questioning it. So what you just said um, transitions, transitions to something that I really wanted to talk about here, which is the idea that right now um, we are relying on Black Americans to be the education yeah. source for Black history and American history, simply because we do not have a proper history education in our schools. Um, and so, and I'll try to do this as concise as possible, but um, the Black American existence in history is very unique because we are, like, we're different than African Americans. Like, those are people who have immigrated. And people have, it, within the Black community, have differing opinions on that, which I'm... I was I, gonna, I've actually asked, and this might be a basic white person question, but I'm like, two of my friends of color, I'm like, do you prefer that I say Black people or African American? Because not everybody from you know, that's a person of color is from Africa. Yes. So I never know really what that conversation is, but, and so like whenever, like the, the fact is that because again, because the black American experience is so unique, yeah. there's so many opinions and feelings around different things, cultural things. Right. Yeah. So, uh, African American is a term that was created for us, right? Like that we check, uh, on our taxes and whatnot. Um, but I consider myself a black American cause I can't, I'm not first, second, third generation. Like I can't track my lineage back to anywhere. Yeah. Um, I actually just did the 23 Me, and I like hope 
that it doesn't just do a big circle around Africa. It's like, you're from. Let me here. know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to segue, but I, the only reason I haven't done that is because I, I've heard there's marketing. They sell the data on the back end, I, which is fine. Yeah. You know, whatever. But I want to know about your experience when yes. you get it back. And like, because I mean, I'm, I'm jealous like of any person, white, Asian, black that can say, oh, I'm from, I'm from this part of Poland. Right. I'm from this part of Africa. Like what must that be like? Right. To like, yeah. know like your lineage. But right now, um, the, most amount that any of my anybody in my family, mother's side or father's side, has been able to do is just track back to uh, plantations, right? Like location, which wow. is it is what it is, right? Um, but yeah, and so people forget the Black American experience is very unique to to our country and our world, and so people also forget that our narrative has been created for us. Um, since the beginning. So if you look at in slavery, um, people created the narrative that like Africans were were built for work and we aren't that smart. So like this is actually good for us. Um, and they bred uh, Africans and slaves to be these um, athletic, strong, bigger, like, and people forget that the narrative of like right now, when we talk about fetishizing, fetishizing, um, black Americans, it comes from that space of, uh, where you can rape a slave, um, where they, 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 they're built for breeding, you know? And, um, so there are so many terms and so many things that come from the fact that like, that's, those things come from there. And so, um, there's so much historical and culture, cultural stuff that goes dates back to that and people forget that like that stuff isn't that long ago like you know 1619 and then 65 i think was well the the whole conversation on juneteenth it was like 63 and then actually we're genuinely free 65 Mm -hmm. but i don't think um interracial marriage was legal until 1965 yes that was like five seconds ago and like so when you put things into perspective like slavery like my grandmother is a product of um, like rape from a former plantation owner to her mother because yeah. people still lived on plantations yeah. when slavery ended. Right. You know, and like if you can count back three generations, four generations, like that's not that long ago. No. You know, like, but and so um, I'm, I'm already getting not in my concise space, but so the black experience has been a narrative that has been controlled by white Americans, right? Of government, things like that. And so um, when you send people to you know a war and black vets come back but they can't get the same gi bills that white vets did that contributes to the narrative that like well black people are just lazy and that's why they can't buy homes Mm -hmm. so they have to live in these projects right but it's because no one was educated on the fact that black veterans did not get the same uh things that white veterans did um you have redlining which uh uh was the act of giving loans to certain parts of town that of course somehow excluded people of color Mm -hmm. um and then making parts of town more run down and inaccessible because of how banks gave loans out but no one talks about that so again that's why black people live on the bad side of town or that's why they don't have homes that's why they can't afford things that's why they're lazy and poor um if you look at uh what's another narrative um People forget that assimilation is very unique to the Black American experience as well because people look at the Jewish populace and they look at, well, Jewish people came over and they lived, they created ghettos and then they got out of ghettos. Um, So Black people just don't do that. They don't look out for their own. They don't, um, 
work hard enough to create their own businesses or get out of poverty. But people always forget that when you, when slavery was ended, the KKK was always honestly just like harassing black Americans. And so the sentiment was, we don't want you in our towns. We don't want you around. Go live on your own. But then when black Americans did go live on their own and they were successful, um, KKK and police officers came in and burned those towns down. Uh, the perfect example is the Tulsa massacre, mm-hmm. which is not taught in schools. And so what that did was like, it was called Tulsa. Um, uh, that town was called the black wall street, right? Cause it was so successful, but then police and KKK come in, they burn the town down. And so what that says is, listen, we don't want you in our towns, but you also can't be successful on your own. Right. We will come in and we will we will take that from you. And so assimilation began happening because of the fact that you're like, I have to figure out how to just be safe. Yeah. And so when people look at different groups and they compare it to black Americans, they forget that not only is our experience in our history special and unique, but it also there's so much of our story that has been cherry picked to be put into education and in our schools and the majority of it not uh, added or given to keep the narrative that we are aggressive, overly sexual, dangerous, uh, criminal, drug users, uh, poor, stupid. That is that's been continued, yeah. you know, and so every time that something has taken place, the government um, you know, KKK groups, uh, racist people, I'll just, you know, all that creates things to block us at every turn. Look at even just right now, I was saying the most recent example is our ability to vote. If you look at the fact that they will close down polling places at the last second within black communities and then go, okay, well, the closest one is 20 miles away, which that's against the law and against the constitution. If, if, if there, if someone shows up and they're closing, you have to stay open until they're there. And I actually just, if anyone that's looking for resources, I just watched, um, Selma, which is awesome. Shout out Ava DuVernay. She's a podcast goals. Mm -hmm. She's an amazing director. Um, black female works with Oprah and there's a scene in there and it's literally Oprah trying to go vote and she didn't know these specific facts around so they denied her um, ability to vote so there's all this you know invisible red tape around yeah. these rights that were there but they weren't really they weren't accessible because people were still controlling it. and this illusion um of freedom was there when there was, you know, really still this control. And that still happens. And yeah. I encourage people to watch even, I referenced this on another cast, Jeffrey Epstein, where he literally is essentially trafficking girls and doing all this horrible illegal activity. He makes a deal with the FBI and essentially gets away with it until people are calling in. And these were 25 white women that called the FBI, didn't get phone calls back. Yeah. So then if you know white people aren't getting listened to, you know people of color aren't getting listened to. Oh, so yeah. oh, there's yeah. all of these like deep references. <laughs> this is all new conversation that you can literally see in in media, but I'd also encourage people, we talked about this a little before, to rewatch some of the old films that, you know, maybe you grew up with and you can look at them with a completely different lens because yeah. this brainwashing and you can see the lack of representation or things represented in, in such minimal light that you're like, oh shit, I, I get what Sarah's saying. I understand now. Yeah. I mean, cause look right now, even like what Kentucky, there's a, um, Jefferson County, I posted about it this morning, uh, 60% black and they have one polling place. Yeah. And like, that's, you can't get thousands of people through a polling place. Well, and our current president doesn't want to do mail-in ballots. Exactly. <laughs> For what like, reason. And, and so like when people, people forget that, like, you will never be told you can't own a home. You're never going to be yeah. told that you can't vote. 
but there's going to be things put in place to make sure that it's so significantly harder for different groups of people that it's it, it you might as well say it yeah. and so like the polling thing like we, we remember um there was a man that waited in line at, in Texas for six hours. I saw that. You sh- but how, if that man has a child that needs to be picked up, if that man can't get off of work for it, how do you expect that person to vote? People also forget that um, felons not being able to vote is a direct byproduct of um, systems that racially uh, bias towards people of color to get them in jail. And then because now that you have a record, guess what you can't do? Yeah. Uh, gun reform the original, is the movie to watch exactly. for that. Yeah. The original gun reform only happened because Black Panthers started walking around with guns. And I actually didn't know that, but okay. That oh, makes yeah. complete sense. And okay. people said, well, we can't have that. So then suddenly it's harder to get a gun. But now when you have like white kids shooting in schools, there's nothing that you can do about it. You know, and so um there's there's so many, there's so many things that I tell people all the time. I'm like, those are those are things that I'm not mad at people for not knowing because if you are raised in school and then you go into the rest of your life and someone says, well, you how do you not know about the Tulsa massacre? I'm not mad at you if you're like, well, I assumed they would have taught me that. Yeah. Like, but no one did. We don't actively go and search for education on things that don't directly affect us. I uh, have used the example of like, I know that there are Syrian refugees that are being killed and that are being oppressed. And it's on me to go search for more. But how much of my day do I uh, allocate to learning and Googling more about Syrian refugees? You know, like, and so I'm never asking people to tackle all of the world's problems, but just pay attention. Um, A really gentle example of brainwashing was the fact that 10, 20 years ago, I'm 34, right? And I remember seeing commercials Things that were like, oh, Dove, go from normal skin, and it would be a white woman, to like oily skin, and it would be like an Asian woman. Or like normal was always a white woman. Um, Normal or um, anything that depicts that type of like what you want to get to was always a white person. Sure. Um, I mean, we grew up in a time where like movies and TV shows, the criminal was always a black person. You know, like, and those are little things that you, you take in without ever questioning because it's just TV. It's just creating your reality. But it creates your point of reference. Um, And so that's when I talk about privilege. That's what I talk about. The fact that you never have to even question that because it doesn't directly affect you. Mm -hmm. And what I'm... I try to get people to understand is that privilege does not equal success. So when a white person says, well, I'm, I'm not rich. I actually grew up in poverty. So what privilege do I have? It's just the fact that when you get pulled over, you aren't thinking, I just have to get home. Um, let's be prepared. We may be dealing with a bad cop or the fact that you are thinking, well, this person's following me in the store. Um, I wonder why. Is it because I'm black or because maybe you just don't even notice the person following you. You're just assuming that someone's shopping also or the person is manager and they're putting things away. Like you don't even it doesn't dawn on you. Um, But like that's what privilege is. I have privilege of being a woman and being a light skinned woman. And so I actually got very heavily checked when I got to college because I've experienced racism where I grew up. 
but I got to college and I'm talking to a friend of mine uh, who is a dark skinned black woman and I'm like oh yeah I've experienced this blah, 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 blah. and like dating is just so tough right blah, blah, blah. and she's like Sarah like no like you don't talk to me about dating because it's harder for me okay and I'm like colorism yeah what do you mean you know and she's like I'm a dark skinned black woman like for as hard as it is for you it's harder for me and she was the first person that made me realize that like as a light-skinned woman um my features are not stereotypical I'm more approachable people often always like whenever I talk about racism they assume I actually don't experience the same things because I'm not like I'm not I mean like you're black Sarah but I mean you know yeah like well I know what well I mean like you know like, every guest well, you're I've different for this conversation has brought that up though. yeah you're different or well you're light well and like I tell people that happened to you yes because I'm black like that's what yeah. I'm saying and so but that reaction my dark skin sisters don't get and every black woman has a privilege over black men because it is exponentially harder for a black man mm-hmm. it's the fact that like my father and my brother routinely get pulled over in our neighborhood because uh can i know why you're driving through here well i live here can i see your id oh sorry mr hips go you know like or my brother would get off the hook because he was the football star you know like excuse me um why are you driving through here i'm going home can i see your id oh, you're Matt Hips. Good game Friday. Mm. You know, like uh, a friend of mine, he's a, a beautiful black man. His name is Stephen Knight. I actually was on his podcast uh, discussing um, my experience with rape. And he's 6'4". He's a Coast Guard. Um, he has, he's, he's an American hero, right? By our American standards. Uh, and he has told me, he's like, sir, you don't understand. Like if I'm walking home, and a white woman comes out onto the sidewalk, I stop and I give her space or I cross the street because me just walking, I'm a predator. I'm a threat. If someone walks past and they see that, like they'll assume maybe I'm following this woman. And he goes, but do you think about that? I go, well, no, I'm just walking home. I'm a chick. Who's going to think I'm I'm preying on anybody? Exactly. You know? And so like, that when I talk to people about privilege, I go, stop getting offended. Like, because I have privilege. And, like, as a whole, as Americans, we have a certain type of privilege, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Like, so there, those are little things that I tell people, just pay attention to that, yeah. you know? Um, the and heightened then, awareness, I think, is just critical step one. Yes. Because, because, and so a friend of mine, I just did a bridal shoot uh, for her. She's one of my best friends. I've known her for a decade. And she was talking to me about the fact that um, in wedding planning and whatnot, if you look at a lot of accounts, it's very white, right? And she's like, you know, I want, I thought about using you in a bridal shoot before all of this George Floyd stuff. She goes, but um, because I thought, man, I want it to, I want it to look more diverse. And she goes, but I'm concerned. I don't want anybody to feel like they're like a token, right? And I was like, here's the thing. I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine with if your first step to being this being a more natural thing for you and i'm i'm using her but she's great um but in general like if someone's first step to being more natural about like who they include on in their business or who they operate with or anything is being like i'm specifically searching for a black person i'm specifically looking for a gay couple please I'll yeah. be your token. I've said this, we're not to cut you off, but I've, with many businesses you see now, I think, I don't know, I'm not sold that all their heart space is in the right spot and like they're going to diversify, but they are going to do it because they think they need to to sell something. Yes. And do I love that? No. Will I take it? 
even as a white human? Absolutely. It's yeah. like, if that's how we get to diversity and we actually get to equal representation, great. We'll yeah. take that step one. Because the fact is that, like, in casting, it goes from, like, oh, we need a black woman to, like, eventually being like, well, let's get a woman in her 20s. Yeah. And then you're not even really looking at their race. You're just like, like, I want, like, a really cool look. Oh, she's unique. Let's use her. You know, like, it doesn't have to be, like, oh, I'm looking for a black woman because I have to fill a quota. And so I was telling Jen, I was like, do it. Because I'm not going to be mad at it if yeah. you're, like, I'm trying to take steps to rectify this thing, add diversity, and eventually it's just going to be natural. And I was like, because the fact is, is that people forget when you look at brands, when you look at, like, weddings. So um, I, I'm sure that you have... Maybe I shouldn't say I'm sure, but um, <laughs> you, you know I'm not that girl. I'm like, not the wedding magazine. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm immediately taking this back. <laughs> like, yeah, like, most yeah. girls, I will say. That. I'm just like looking at the wedding <laughs> magazines that you buy for no reason. Um, but yeah, like if you look at wedding uh, accounts, yeah, it it can be very heavily white, and okay. it's gotten better. But people forget that what. When you have a wedding magazine, and let's say every couple in there is white, you, what you're selling isn't um, like this wedding planner or this dress. What you're selling is a life and a, an idea, right? Oh, we all know that. And that's that. what designers, Ralph Lauren, one of my favorite stories, that's exact, he, show, he showcased clothing, but he showcased a lifestyle. Yes. yes. And so, but when you only showcase it with certain people, what you're saying is, this is a life for these people. Mm-hmm. And you're saying it very indirectly. But when you are a little girl who is black or a little per- little person of color, um, a young person of color, what you're seeing is exclusion. Yeah. And, and so the fact that there are so many more books um, and dolls and things like that that are different shades, like that's just like a very gentle inclusion mm-hmm. that like people don't think about. So when people argue against Spider-Man being black, which is insane because I'm like, it's a made up Wait, character. Was, I don't tell him, uh, so, any of those either. So, uh, a few years ago, um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out, and it's a animated sh- movie, but the newer, the new Spider-Man that was created in that was a black kid. Again, okay. animated. And people got upset that it was, there was a black Spider-Man, because Spider-Man's white. I don't remember any of this. But again, I, this is another universe I don't live in. Yeah. But, um, like, okay. And so, but, like, that, it happens all the time. Like, um, James Bond was, for a moment, they were floating Aegis Elba. And then people oh, go, but James, yes. Yeah. James Bond's white. Like, people do that all the time, where they, like, because yeah. it was white when they were growing up, it can't change. Well, but they, we cling, people, change and different things are hard anyways, regardless of what it is. Yeah. As Americans, I think we cling to our truth so tightly. Yes. And if you mess with that, that's like our security zone, like yes. the, the security blanket. Um, But it's time to rip the blanket away. And so when, when you go, well, like things can change or we just want to be more inclusive, then people will go, this inclusivity thing is getting out of control. Yeah. Like, but Spider-Man, it, like Spider-Man is just white. So... <laughs> Find a new one. It's not real. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, but like there are tons of little black kids who saw, like who look at comics and are in that nerdy space. Right. And they see that and they go, oh, awesome. You know, yeah. like, yeah, and that's all it is. They're that's heroes. All it is, you know. And so, um, so yeah, I tell people all the time, I'm like, don't be afraid to be like, I want to diversify and I want to find someone who wants to be a part of that. Or um, like, what are my first steps in that? And those are the conversations. If someone comes to me and they go, hey, Sarah, I want to be an ally. Tell me how. That's a, a big conversation, bro. Yeah. You know, like, help me out. Like, but if you're like, hey, Sarah, I want to diversify. 
um, like, can you start me on some books or like, what's a book that you really feel like is, is good. I can tell you that, you know, like I'm fine with telling you that. Um, well, God, there's so, right now there's so much out there. I feel like if this was a few months ago, you know, and they're asking, that's awesome. Right now there's millions of influencers yeah. and reputable sources that are like listing things. So you do need to do a little legwork on your own. Netflix has a series that like sums up so many things and keep in mind, it's still media, it's still production, but I, I'm, I'm a big believer in all of it because I think it can lean into some, it meets a consumer where they're at. So, you know, if it's easily digestible, we can be our, our lazy American selves and just watch something. Like there's so much out there right now with literally listening and steps yeah. I do think we have to be accountable for ourselves yes. myself and fellow white people to like dude we gotta do some work we gotta just yeah. lean in and do yeah. this and then reach out to your black friends and be like yo what do you think about this what else is good and yeah. maybe have a conversation there but I think it's a point where we gotta be accountable and take some steps so I actually saw uh, Emily actually shared, shared something on her account this morning which I loved and it was I think it was like a post where someone said um the conversation, the class has already been in session um, Mm -hmm. and we're just late to class and we have to treat it like that. We have to come in quietly, sit down quickly, open our books and and try to get caught up. But to further on that analogy, you would then be like, hey, like, let me Google what I missed or like, hey, what did I miss? Okay, let me go research that in my book. You know, like I'm fine with if you're like, hey, Sarah, like what, what, what's my initial first step? I say, pay attention. Pay attention. And then also remember that the black narrative has not been allowed by us. So what does that mean? Um, check out the Tulsa massacre. Start there. And, and then if someone starts Googling, then I guarantee they're going to eventually start running into like assimilation. Yeah. Um, they're going to run into redlining. They're going to run into GI benefits. They're going to like, those are things that they're going to just run into you. If you look at um, black people, comma media, I can almost guarantee if you google that like you're gonna find some of those um newspaper or headline comparisons that people started doing um where it was like dylan uh dylan roof uh lone wolf right um but then someone who gets shot by a cop running away thug blah blah, blah. and so like i can guarantee you, you would find that you know yeah. like so i i don't want to I want to encourage people to do their own research, but I also um, want to encourage people to say, like, can you can you give me a first step? Because if I came to you and I'm like, hey, how do I do a podcast? You're going to be like, hey, sir, you can Google a lot. But if I'm yeah. like, can you give me like a first a first thing to start with? Yeah. I can guarantee you'd be like, um, check out sound systems and then I can Google that. Well, if own. it's specific, I would absolutely because I know my journey in it and I would be happy to help just specifically. Yeah. yeah. And I will on this mic encourage you to do a podcast. We're just going to put that in the universe <laughs> right now. Um, but I hear you. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, it, it's critical to keep the door open and know that you balance and boundaries knowing yes. that if there's something you can take care of yourself fine but go to these resources i mean i know people that have gotten on youtube to learn how to fix their car yes. so if you can navigate that you can navigate you know understanding what's really going on yeah. in our world right now because like the fact is that again all you're doing is you're showing up yeah and you're coming to the table because f- for all of history black people have said can you come to the table and hear me yeah. and now we're at a space where it's like Hey, dude, I shouldn't have to create a safe space to then get you to come to the table. You should be coming to me and saying, hey, like, can I enter this safe space? And can we talk about this? Be And, and that's all it is. But for, like I, I told you before, like, it's been our job to educate and it's been our job to create a safe enough space 
that you feel comfortable to learn from me. But that's not how that that should work. And um, I shared on Share the Mic, I say I call it spooking white people. And it's, it's this idea that and it can be sound silly, but it's this idea that um, my tone and my mannerisms and the way I dress and the way I operate, um, I may change it around a white person because my presence and those things may create anxiety and fear. Mm-hmm. And when I say it like that, it seems like, oh, oh, I've never thought about it. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to ease your anxiety and your fear so I get to stay safe. It's a safety. It's a self-preservation mechanism for me. And a lot of times what happens is that people, when they feel anxiety and they feel fear, what we've seen is they call the cops or they call a manager. And to them, they've now handed it off and de-escalated it because the cop will like chill everything out, calm the situation down. But what you've done is you've escalated it for me because now I'm being forcibly intimidated. I am being talked to in a certain way um, that now I have to check all of my reactions. I have to check my fear. I have to check my anxiety. I have to check my anger, you know? And so like now situations are escalated and we've seen what happens. And so like I was telling someone we were talking about police and I was like, I will never call the cops unless it is a situation where I absolutely am in danger. I will not call the cops because I'm not bringing uh, handcuffs and a gun into a any situation where a black person is or a person mm-hmm. of color is um, because it's just my own safety. I have to worry about It's the safety of but someone how ironic else. is that statement right there. It's my own safety and I can't call the cop or I choose not to like that in itself is that's heartbreaking. That's why officers yeah. are yeah. supposed to be there. Yeah. I mean, I hear yeah. Clear, don't get yeah. wrong. No, that's what they but are. Yeah. Just the awareness around that irony is like, Oh man, that's a punch. Like, and it's tough because like, I know that there are good cops. Like I've met sure. good cops. But it's, again, what I said, I have to... I saw your post on that. Yeah. I really like that when you're like, you know, not... It was something to the effect of not all cops are bad. And you're like, yes, and how do we know that as, as people exactly. of color? Like, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's had a bad day or if this guy just doesn't like black people or if yeah. this guy is slightly prejudiced uh, and maybe has PTSD from serving in the military. You know, like, I don't know who I'm who I am coming across. And so as much as I want to believe that like a cop can show up, I can be like, Hey, so this and this and this, and like, I don't even know what happened and talking, whatever. Like, hold on, let me get my ID. Like, I can't do that. Uh Uh-uh. I am, I have my hands here. They're out of my pockets. I'm talking slowly. I go, um, so this is a situation. Um, I'm going to reach for my ID. Is that okay? Um, do you want to get it the bag for me? Like I, everything I'm doing is because I don't know who you are and you have the ability to, to ruin my life with charges or end my life. And so everything I'm doing is to keep you calm and keep you feeling safe around me, even though you have the training and you have the gun, like, you know, like, but Hey, we're all going to stay calm here. I'm going to move super slowly, wash my hand, you know, like, and I know that that's something that everybody should be taught. But at the same time, like I, it just is so crazy to me that like you have training, you, how can you be scared of me who is unarmed, but you have a gun, you know, like, um, how do you feel about, um, people of color as police officers? Like, does that Oh, I wish I, I wish there were more. Okay. You know, like, I mean, that's, that's what why, I assume, but I, yeah. okay. And it's not that they inherently are just going to be like, you're good. Like, it's totally. just like, I recognize you and I can only assume that you are going to treat me with more respect 
um, I've had cops who are white and they'll be like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I go, oh, no, I don't. They go, no, I don't, sir. Mm. And you're just like, bro, I don't know, dude. I don't, like, you're just another Whoa. human person. You know, like, come on. Whoa. You know, but like, I've I've interacted with like cops of color and they'll be like, hey, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, no. And they'll be like, so listen, like this is what, and they, they talk to me like I'm just a human person, you know, like they're not demanding all this respect from me um or authority and so like my hope is that we can get more people of color in those spaces because also if they're i know that the 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 concept of police officers the i think the main problem honestly are police unions because they keep mayors and governors and things like that from maybe sometimes doing what needs to be done. Gotcha. Um, I also know that, and I was talking to uh, a friend of mine that's a police officer. He was saying that the whole defund the police thing is, isn't correct because the problem is a lack of funding to properly train people. Mm, um, okay. And the fact is, is that like, if you spend the money to train a cop and they have complaints or they do something bad, they, it's hard to get them fired because unions, but also money was spent to train this person. So they're, they're, they're just going to get transferred. So that's why you can have a police officer who has 18 complaints against them. Gotcha. Um, and so, so I got to dig more into the details around that. Cause I know it's a like defund the police doesn't mean take away all the, uh, get rid exactly. of the police. That's not the point. No. It's, it's take away some of the, you know, if it's a million dollars every year, which is much more than that, like let's take away half of that and put to, that towards education programs. So that's like a whole conversation to unpack. And I think people are just reading like the Twitter headline and being like, Oh no, no more police. That's not what it is. Yeah. No. And uh, I want to dig further for my own personal knowledge around like some of these unions and some of cause this is, I mean, that's again, that's not, it's like the tattoo conversation. It's just, I don't know a lot about it, but yeah. I think this is conversations we exactly. need to start being aware of. And like that, that's, that's where the conversation so now that we're having policies change like the body cams and things like mm-hmm. that um not being able to just use non-lethal uh weapons against protesters that still can be lethal um now that we've had those conversations those changes now it's okay what's actually going to cause change because the fact is, is that when you need to get a cop like not the pay for cops isn't that great um and it's hard and it's dangerous and we all know these things so it's a certain people, kind of human that yeah, wants to do it people don't just want to be a cop right. you know like because you have to deal with so many different people uh walks of life and everything but the the fact is is that you get people who may not be that educated or may be educated in a a, a social way that we don't want right being racist or whatever and so what we do need are more cops that are going to be in there and are willing to kind of stick their neck out and say, speak out against a fellow cop, which you're not supposed to do, right? Because it's a camaraderie, it's a team, There's it's a, a family. To it. Exactly. And so, but if one person sticks their neck out and they're going to get chomped off, if you have five people who are sticking their neck out, like, at least you have some voice. And yeah. so, you know, to kind of loop back, this whole showing up thing, I tell people, I don't need you to be an ally where you're like going to the Supreme Court and doing all these things. <laughs> I If I'm in a store and someone says something to me yeah. and I speak about it, step right next to me and go, that's not right. Like yeah. if I know that someone else is going to lend their voice, I feel stronger. I feel more empowered. I don't, I don't feel as intimidated. One time I was flying back from uh, Pennsylvania and someone yelled, like go back to Africa and not one person spoke up. 
you know? And it's just like, it's not like I expect people to fight my battles, but like if one other person had been like, hey, that ain't right. Like, yeah, thank you. You know, like, but I got on that plane. I befriended the guy that was sitting next to me and I walked with that guy all the way as far as I could because I don't know who just yelled that. And I don't know if we get off the plane and that person's going to come after me, you know, like, and so like, yeah, absolutely keep, keep showing up keep showing up for yourself. Um, what I tell people is, um, if someone have a, has a conversation with you, so let's walk through the idea of, um, if I said, Hey, Kristen, like you have, you have white privilege. Mm-hmm. If your initial reaction to that is to say, no, I don't. I ask you to show up for yourself and ask yourself, why did I have that reaction? Mm-hmm. What do I gain with that reaction? Could I have said, you know what? my initial uh, feeling is defensiveness. So I'm going to step away. I'm going to like check that in with myself. And if I still feel that way, I'm going to bring that to you. Like that stretching yourself and that showing up for yourself, because the more you ask yourself questions of why did I react that way? What do I gain by reacting like this or answering like this or not being open to this? Those are things that are going to grow you because then if you go, oh, Kristen, like, why did I, why did I react like that? Yeah. Well, I reacted because I, I felt defensive because they're judging me. Well, are they judging me? Why do I feel judged? Well, I mean, it's not like I grew up that way. Okay, let's unpack that then because yeah. that bias may be leaking into other things in our life. Oh, for sure. You know, like, it absolutely is. And the need to defend ourselves. Maybe we are someone who, whenever someone like says like, oh, are you stupid? You go, you get mad. Well, heck. Why do you do that? Well, it's because I didn't grow up this way. Okay. Like, so now we have something that just because we asked ourselves one question about our reaction, we can grow ourselves and stretch ourselves and learn about ourselves across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you keep asking yourself questions, why am I doing that? What do I gain from this? What do I lose by staying, like sticking with this? And it's not to change you because you may think about it and answer those questions and take time with it and still have the same response. But at least you did your homework to understand yourself just a little bit better. Um, But keep showing up for people. And then, yeah, like do your own research because the other thing that people forget is that, um, again, the narrative has been passed down that black people are inherently like somehow tougher or more thick skinned. Um, It's why we have uh, black women who have to advocate for themselves in childbirth and in hospitals more because there's actually been studies to show that black doctors have a general bias believing that black women um, can endure more pain. And so if you're saying, oh, I'm at a six, they're like, "Uh, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I trust this. Right. Uh, And so kind of a funny, ironic, not funny, but an ironic uh, result of that is the fact that uh, doctors prescribe more opioids to white consumers and white patients than they do black patients because they don't take our, our pain and our health as seriously, but they'll give them to white people because, oh, you can handle it. And also like, um, you need it more. And also, of course, there's bias of like, oh, maybe this person's in here for drugs, but like, like, white people oh, need okay. opiates more like i was talking to someone and they're like yeah they just prescribed me like you know oh, I, um coding yeah. or whatever and when i got my my knee prepared they're like here's like three days worth 
of um, like something I can't even think of names now. And then yeah. after that, you're gonna do this. Like, that's what I got. Yeah, but yeah, but they like, put me on a very limited amount. But yes, I hear you, you know, like, but like you have people who they're just like, here's two weeks worth. Yeah, if you need a refill, let me know. Well, that's why we have an opiate crisis. I will say. Exactly. Is it predominantly white? The opiate crisis? I, I yeah, I believe so. I think it kind of is. I, I don't yeah. know. Again, there's another. I've got a lot to learn on so many levels. But um, that's an interesting correlation. I will dig into that because that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And ironically, um, or not ironically, justifiably so. On the, the all three open mics that I've done, now this being the third, the um, women of color and childbirth has been a conversation, yeah. and I didn't really know that. I mean, it makes complete sense once you say it, but I didn't know that was such a relevant conversation yeah, specific in that arena. I mean, Serena Williams, is, yeah, Serena Williams brought it to national, more national attention when she like felt like something was wrong during her childbirth yeah and she had to like, advocate and they still weren't taking her seriously and she had to like av- advocate hardcore wow. and there was actually something wrong during her childbirth and she like talked about it afterwards she was like there's no reason that in the midst of like giving birth i have to be fighting for my own health at wow. the same time um but yeah like those are so when what i when i bring that up what i'm leaning towards the fact that Yes, absolutely. Come to the table, ask questions, but also please do not downplay or uh, negate the fact that like black mental health is a very real, very serious thing. And while middle-aged white men have the, are some of the leading in suicide and depression, black mental health is still a a subject that is being worked on very, very much by Mm -hmm. this generation and the generation uh, younger than us. But we don't talk about mental health as much as we should and as much as we need. And so when you have people and I really respect and love the fact that you're like, you know, like you take your time, you come to me when you're ready because people will just like shoot off questions and like, Oh, like Sarah can take it or like black women or men can take it. Like keep, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, because we can handle it. Right. But like, um, black mental health needs to be, next on the forefront of yeah. what we're discussing because of the fact that like now that we are discussing all this stuff please remember i have talked about being black more in the past month than i've talked <laughs> God bless you know like and, yeah and it's draining and it's it drains me to watch a video of a black person being shot mm-hmm. and it it hurts i mean it hurt it deeply hurts you know and like recounting a lot of this stuff it hurts my soul because it's like yeah, that's just existence, man. Like, you know, and I think about it for my nephews who are eight and six um, and newborn. I think about like my um, niece. I think about what my parents went through. And so when you are asking questions and when you're deep diving, like don't keep asking about like, how can I be an ally? How can I show up? When someone posts something um, or when the opportunity presents, jump in. Um, but if you're like, hey, I really, I'm just, I'm so excited. I want to keep going. Try to diversify who you're asking these things of because yeah. like our mental health has been uh, downplayed and ignored for such a long time, not just by um, the outside world, but also within our own community. Yeah. Um, and so it's, now is the time to also be like, hey, like, how can I show up for you? Not in any way that has to do with race. Like my one friend, I was like feeling guilty about not going to the protest because I was like, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't have it in me. And she was like, Sarah, I'm sorry, but like you do this every day. Yeah. Like, honestly, you should stay home. You should stay home with ice cream and the TV. Let me go on the front line for yeah. you. Like, let, let I'll do it. Yeah. And I was like, thank, thank you. Like, that's really nice. Like, 
just the fact that you would even see it in that purview, you know, like that perspective. So yeah, like just start asking people, let's start shift the conversation from like, how do I show up for you as an ally for black people, but just go like, how do I show up for you? And if the conversation goes towards race, like awesome, ask questions, ask as many questions as you can when the opportunity arises, but a hundred percent be like, you know what now? Like I, it, it, there's aftercare to, to be had. And, um, that's, for all black people who are there and people of color also i really struggle on i know i don't want to isolate like asian people indian people hispanic people like um and this is a very big conversation for black americans but also like what we are working on will obviously affect people of color um but yeah for any of those people like make sure that you are getting away from your phone turning the tv off um if someone starts with a conversation and you're just not mentally there, just say, Hey, I, I, why I, what I shared on that showing up template, um, I want to show up for you, but I, at the moment I can't, um, boundaries are real. You, yeah. you got to take care of you. So, um, so yeah, like I, I would be happy to, I, I love, like I said, I love talking about showing up and I love talking about it in all aspects and relationships and mental health. I love, uh, the template that I put together and I shared on share the mic uh, day, which is just, if you can't show up, here's, here's what you need to do. Don't like not offering action is not only not showing up for someone else. Um, and it's not showing up for yourself, but it's also really discounting another person. Um, and it can be discounting your own ability to like, as a person in general, but if you're going to show up here, here are things that you can say, because this conversation, especially about race is very difficult. Uh, the conversation around rape, the conversation about, um, poverty, like those are really difficult conversations, especially if you're someone who comes from a place where you don't understand. So you may be like, I want to show up, but I don't know how. And I know that that was a conversation where people were saying, I'm not posting posting uh blackout tuesday or i'm not posting about race and i know it looks like i don't care but i just don't know what to say yeah. but i also don't want to just throw something up there that's a hundred percent fine um like here's what you can do here's a template you know and like maybe you know um something i can be doing with my time is f- really filling that out and and um, making it more weighted because I want everybody to feel empowered to not only have their own boundaries, but also show up in a way that they feel empowered to do so. And I also want people to be able to start receiving and acknowledging when someone's showing up for them. So like people who went to the protest, if you like, thank you, thank you. I receive you showing up on my behalf and you chanting on my behalf. I People who maybe I haven't been able to show up for in my DMs or in person talking about race, thank you. Just the act of you being like, hey, Sarah, I want to do better. I receive that and I want to allow it, you know, like, and that can sometimes be difficult. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah. I think, that, I think that's great. And I think just the overarching human skill of showing up is critical and as how we move forward as evolved humans in society, mm-hmm. um, particularly around race and, you know, with this coming election and everything else, like the literal and metaphorical standpoint of showing up is so critical yes. right now, um, particularly for yourself, because I do think we've got to take care of ourselves first and, you know, better our own thinking, heighten our awareness, uh, just really question what our reality is and what isn't is and isn't right around that because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things we 
particular as white people have to unlearn and mm-hmm. really break outside of. Uh, I really like to, you said, you know, you got to get yourself uncomfortable, stretch yourself, stretch your mind. And I think once the first step you do that, uh, the first time you do that, it gets easier every time. It's almost like fitness. Like the first workout's the hardest. And then as you get accustomed to living and seeing and breathing and training a different way, it becomes more normal. Yeah. Um, so I think that first step can be intimidating. But there's so much resource right now. There's so much support around it. I'm so blessed to have people like you um, in my life that I can call friends and, and genuinely be like, yo, is this okay? What do we do here? Uh, and be open-minded. And, and the energy give that you come and that you do show up with all the time sets such a, a huge tone. So I hope you can pull back and be like, damn, I'm doing a good job. Like, no, this, <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously, this is so much and it's a continued conversation. And just like, I can only imagine, like you said, I've talked more about race in the past two months than probably you have in your entire life. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot. So I hope you take time to acknowledge that. And I've said this to Ashley and Raven on the other two casts. Like, I appreciate you guys as humans, just point blank humans. And then coming to come on the mic and talk about it and get into it and and really share your experience. Like, it's a lot to ask. It's not your responsibility. And we, as white people, are so fortunate to have resources as such um, that will willingly share and give that energy, maybe when it's not even deserved. Uh, the more that I watch, I'm like, okay. I'm like, how do any of my friends want to be friends with any white people? Because this is <laughs> fucked up. Like, what is going on here? And uh, the more I dig into it, like, now me in, in, as a white female in 2020, I'm like, oh, my God, I would never put up with that. And this isn't right. And, and all these things. But I have to really know, like, as a, a branding and marketing professional, your reality, your what's in front of you becomes you do assimilate. And, yeah. you know, myself in 1920 or whatever it was normal to see people hanging and being okay with this hate and this awful, like heart wrenching stuff. So you have to be so conscious of your environment even today to know who you're around and because your reality is as a strong willed human and it's aware and this educator, whatever, if you're in the wrong environment, it will break you down and you will facilitate some of these awful behaviors if you're not conscious of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a, that's a whole other podcast, but I, I, I just think that self-awareness and the continued showing up and, um, you just trying to stretch yourself so you can further these life skills for yourself and the generations after you. Yeah. That's where we start. Yeah. I just want people to like, I'm just a big advocate of like, I want you to see yourself through. Like I want you to be your best self and some components of that are being very uncomfortable. And yeah. obviously some components of that are like, how are you, how are you involving yourself and like what's around you. Um, but I do want to just like leave off with like just two things that I are very important. Um, we have been taught that the, um, main thing to remember is, uh, when it comes to self care and then caring for others, the idea that you put the mask on yourself first before you put it on others. Um, but the truth is, is that in recovery, there is the saying being of service to others. So until you can be your best self, be of, be of service to others. And so I sometimes think that we get a little very, like, I have to, um, go away and work on myself, but please remember Mm -hmm. if you are confused or trying to figure things out, or you feel a little lost, be of service to others. It is perfectly okay for you to be like, I can't show up a hundred percent for myself all the time because technically you can't you're always evolving you're, you're always learning yes like i'm not i go to therapy i'm not my best self but i find growth in myself by showing up and being of service to others right having these conversations the other thing that i want to remind you and this is for everything and everybody is that we discount 
ourselves very often by saying, but. So I want to remind you, Kristen, I want to remind anybody who's listening to this, you are beautiful, you are smart, you are intelligent, you are ambitious, and you are learning about other people that you, things that you didn't know before. And so stop, stop reducing everything that you are that comes before, but with, but I, I'm just so ignorant, right? Like, uh, 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 like you can be a million great things, but if you end that list with, but I'm crazier, but I'm broken, but it, it precludes all that. No, like you are all these amazing things and you are still growing. So embrace it and just be so proud of who you are and who you plan and want to be and are seeking to be tomorrow. And that's all that's all that life is man you know mm, well on that note yes <laughs> i think that's really well said uh i had one of my good friends jen k come on and she talked a lot about but and 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 using that and that is so well said and i think that consciousness again another piece of that practice is that self-awareness of am i reducing my own voice am i doing my own thing which i that's something i've consciously worked on and will continue to do so yeah. um but i think that's really really well said in a really again this is so many i love the theme of this is showing up in these these undertone of life skills and then specifically applying it to race and where we are today i think it's so worthwhile for every human to lean in and practice this for this right now and for the next thing that's coming because yes. we need this for the rest oh, yeah. of our lives there's there are going to be things that my voice is not going to like matter quote matter anymore we're going to be onto something else i'm going to show up for that the same way that people are showing up right now so yeah. it's like it's great well your voice will always matter and i'm not just saying that as a cliche <laughs> as a um but no you're here for a reason i'm so excited to see what I mean, the universe is in disrupt in this disruption for in so many reasons. Like it's heartbreaking and it's heart fueling because I I see positive change in front of us. So I'm so excited to see what your next move is. Um, where do where do we find you? Give me social media, website, yeah. whatever you want to share. At S A Hips H I P P S. Uh, that's my Instagram. That's uh, I was telling you before that I've kind of pulled back and trying to figure out like where is my where's my direction. Um, and so that's pretty much the space that you should go to. Um, and honestly, you'll probably find out as at the same time I do where, what my next steps are. So, um, I love that. Um, it's your, I think you are so beautifully human and for you to share that with people sincerely, I think that's your bonding point for people to really like, I see her and I understand her and I hear her and I appreciate her guidance in this because you're, when you bring that humanist to the table, it welcomes people in. Um, so I think that's a really beautiful skill and, or, um, just something that you have inherently. I want to say talent, but I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, thank you. Um, just I, in who you are. I, really, uh, I appreciate that. Yes. I, I think it's a big deal. And that's what we need more of our world. So again, I appreciate your energy. I appreciate you coming on. Please do continue to take care of you. Cause I, I know it is work. <laughs> um, and I, I see that. Especially so, me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> go take a load off. Um, but lean in, please check out Sarah's stuff. I think she's got phenomenal fitness, um, Intel and programs and her, qualifications as a fitness human is there but again the human side the resource around and conversation around race is there um and one of my most things that i adore about you is she's such an animal lover um Mm -hmm. my dogs adore her um (laughs) so you have tons of cute animal photos too if nothing else yeah yes but i appreciate you uh well let's check in maybe in like six months and see i'm good what's what's new yeah uh after you've had some break and time and energy and you know recoup which i know you're (laughs) going to still go run 100 miles an hour but um we'll we'll catch back up yeah (laughs) okay thank you (laughs) thank you sarah
Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.